Amen. Good to see you today. Good, uh, good looking noon crowd and good food and good fellowship. Can I hear an amen out there? Thank you, Brother Mike, for that great song. Uh, good to see you today. We had a wonderful day yesterday, and uh, the Lord moved in our, in our midst. And we always uh, thank the Lord for that and never take for granted the visitation of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And uh, we should, listen, I, we, we should never, never uh, be satisfied, but we always ought to be thankful. Amen? Because uh, there's so many people that we need to reach. Uh, let me just uh, encourage you tonight when you come to the service, um, before and after, to check out the table in the foyer. We have a lot of things going on around the world. There's one particular little piece of paper out there that has uh, kind of uh, the, some of the things that we're doing. It kind of gives you a synopsis of where we are and what's going on uh, around the world, and you can get a little better idea. You can get on our website, compeloutreach.org, and uh, peruse that and find out a lot of information. Uh, is you, if those that were here last night know that Wendy sings. She has CDs on our website that are available. And, and uh, there's just a lot of different things you can uh, find out there. We have uh, all kinds of things on the table. So I'll be out there after the service tonight and answer any of your questions. I want you to take your Bible, if you will, for just a few minutes. And uh, we're going to look at, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about evangelism. But, but I, was, uh, I was talking, I, I told Brother Jim, I spent a lot of my morning this morning talking to pastors. <laughs> encouraging them, they're going through some storms, and, you know, that should never really surprise us because we're in a warfare. You know, Baptists, for the most part, have forgotten the fact that we've got an enemy. But we don't have just one enemy. And I'm going to make a statement here you may not, you may not agree with, but you need to study the Bible and check on it and see what the Bible says. But I would say even if there was no devil, we'd still have two enemies. We have the enemy of our own flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. Come on, amen. You don't have, you don't have to have a devil to get in trouble. We blame a lot of things on the devil that's just our stinking flesh, amen. Uh, you know, Flip Wilson, y'all, anybody old enough remember old Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. Well, the devil never made you do anything. You choose to do it by your own flesh. Matter of fact, James says, that uh, our, our sin comes by the enticement of our own flesh. It comes from within us because of this fallen nature we're dealing with. But then there's another, there's another enemy called the world. Now, I'm not talking about the beautiful scenery, the mountains, the oceans, the prairies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the world system that's anti-God. Uh, kind of like halftime on Super Bowl last night, amen? Just anti-God. Uh, you know, people think that if you stand up for Jesus, you're a moron. You're, 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 you need to be on some kind of medication. Uh, you know, you've lost, your, uh, you've lost your mind when you stand up. Matter of fact, when the Apostle Paul was making his appeal in uh, Acts 26 to King Agrippa, there was a guy named Festus. He was uh, King Agrippa's right-hand man. He said, Paul, this Jesus stuff has made you crazy, man. you become a madman following Jesus. But the truth is, we, have, we do have another enemy, and we do have an enemy called the devil. Amen? The devil. And uh, there are demons, and we don't have time to get into all that. But what I'm saying is, the moment you got saved, you got three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
And, uh, and, and I, want, I want you to know he was talking in this chapter to believers. He wasn't talking to a group of pastors. He wasn't talking to evangelists. He was talking to all of us that are followers of the Lord, believers in the Lord. And he said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, what ministry is that? The ministry of reconciliation. Because he said, as we have received mercy, we don't faint, we don't lose heart, we don't give up, we don't cave in. Listen, how many people have you seen right here at this church through the years that have started on fire, but they fizzled out? It's not how you start, it's how you finish, isn't it? And uh, so he said, we, we have this ministry. Don't, don't give up, don't lose heart, don't faint. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, verse 2, not walking in craftiness or deceitfulness, not handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in sight of God. But then he talks to us about our, the gospel that we have because we've been reconciled to Christ. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Amen? Why? Why is it hid? Because verse 4, And whom the God, little g, God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And I want to stop and say something to you right here, because this is so important in this pluralistic, modern society, anti-God culture we live in. Even, listen, this is a sad truth, but even among conservative Southern Baptists, some people are now saying that Jesus may not be the only way to heaven. I'm going to tell you something. Thank God for these students that were here today eating lunch. But you've got, to t you've got to understand something. 60 plus percent of the teenagers that sit in our pews on Sunday morning don't believe that Jesus is on the way to heaven. Now we take that for granted. And I want to say to you that you and I could not have any concept of God if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. God is unapproachable, inaccessible, unknowable except through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the express image of God. He's the stamp. He's the identical one that represents God. Come on, amen? How do we know who God is and what he's like? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why the devil's trying to get us to be quiet about Jesus. Now, uh, I, I preach in a lot of Islamic uh, areas of the world, and Muslims will sit down and talk to you about God, and they'll even talk to you about Jesus to an extent. But when you say Jesus is God, he's the exclusive way to heaven, they, they don't have any time for you. Because, you see, people think there's many ways to heaven. But Paul says, listen, Jesus is the express image of God. That we should shine that light unto them. Listen to verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves for your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, let me, let me just bring this in light of sharing our faith. The reason God left us here when we got saved was not just, uh, you know, to enjoy life, even though, thank God, we get to enjoy life. Uh, I don't like to be around a bunch of sour, negative, critical people. Do you? Let me say that again. I don't like to be around a bunch of sour, negative, critical people. Do you? No. <laughs> I don't know why we've trained ourselves. We've got to be quiet, church. Um, I met this woman one time, and I told her, I said, Honey, you've got a pretty good personality, but not for a human being. Uh, if, we're, if anybody's got, a, got, got any joy, it's us. 
Now, joy doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. Joy has to do with Jesus. That's a whole other sermon. But, but uh, I don't like to be around a bunch of negative, critical people. I like to be around people that are thinking and are excited and creative and want to have ideas on how to reach their community for Christ and not bog down in the 50s. Amen. Most Southern Baptist churches I know of, if the 50s ever come back, we're ready. Amen. We're ready. <laughs> we got that down. You know, we live in the day of the iPhone. The church is in the rotary phone state still. Amen? Amen. Party lines. I don't know why we got to put them words on that screen. we got a book right here. Well, if you like the book, get the book out. Don't split the church over a hymn book. Hello? I don't like all them cars. All them court. We sang them ten times all same old word over and over and over. Well, can I tell you something? Amazing Grace was a new song at one time. People didn't like it. I'll tell you, I, I was so blessed one day. This 90-year-old man walked up to this lady in a church and said, Quit griping about everything. He, he was not, she was about 85. <laughs> He said, quit griping about everything. Well, you and I had our chance and blew it. Hey, listen. There's a whole town out here that needs Jesus. And we don't need to be in here letting the devil divide us over singing and what translation of the Bible the pastor has. And if we stand up or sit down or if we start at 930 or 845, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. There's a whole world out there. You know, there's something that I, I noticed. I wasn't plan on saying half this stuff, but it, it's, I'm blessing myself. Amen. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let, me, let me just tell you this. I was reading the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17 again the other day, and one of the things that just jumped out of the page at me, you know what Jesus said? He said, the world, watch this, the world, Haskell County will know that I am the Son of God, I am the Messiah, because you love one another. And can, can we just come in an agreement today that the devil has done his good work at dividing the body of Christ over some things that aren't even essential? Amen? Uh, you know, I, I was pastoring this church one time, and, and uh, you know, we, we made a few changes. Matter of fact, I was doing a revival years ago, and this uh, lady, they didn't have a pastor where I was preaching. And this lady came to me and she goes, oh, Brother Bill, I just wish you would stay and be our pastor. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> she said, why do you say that? I said, well, I come in here four days and preach and you can enjoy it. But I didn't ask you to do anything. I didn't ask you to move Sunday school room. Listen, I was in church one time. We had a class that was growing. They were in a little bitty room. They were busting the seams out. We had a, a, another class. They hadn't reached anybody in a hundred years. They, they had their teacher's picture on the wall. How many of you know when the teacher's picture's on the wall, it's hard to move that class? <laughs> I know I'm messing with you. Amen. I know it. So I just asked them to swap rooms. You thought I'd kill five people on the platform. <laughs> can, can we just get real? It's just us. Can we just get... Uh, i got to say everything three times here. Can we just get real? Yes. It's just us. Yes. It's just us. Why should a pastor have to spend his time and energy and prayer life 
over trying to convince somebody to move to a different classroom when the whole world's going to hell? Listen to what, listen to what he said. He said, if our gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost because the God of this world has blinded the minds which believe not. And we preach not ourselves. That, that encapsulates everything I said, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the devil's going to do everything he can to keep you from opening your mouth and talking to anybody about Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to discourage you, to keep you from inviting people to this revival. Come on, amen? Your flesh is going to do the same thing. You know, I've had people say, uh, well, let me give you an illustration. I was with a pastor one time. We stopped to get some gasoline. I went in there to get me a Diet Coke and some peanut M&Ms. You know what I'm saying. And, uh, so uh, uh, I, I witnessed to the young lady in there, and I got back in the car, and the pastor said, were you led of the Holy Spirit to witness to that girl? Or did you do that in the flesh? I said, first of all, brother, I said, my flesh has never wanted to deal with anybody and, and share the gospel with anybody. Because by my nature, I'm selfish. I don't care about people. Except because of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. Can I, can I just help somebody here today? Whenever you feel the urge or the leading to share the gospel, that's not your flesh. That's the Lord. And it's sure not the devil. Well, I just don't know. Is it the Lord or the devil? Well, let me tell you something I do know. The devil will never make you get up and uh, wake you up in the morning and say, read your Bible, pray, and go talk to somebody about Jesus right out of time check. The devil will never tell you to do that. That's the Lord. Amen. That's the Lord. The, the devil never tell you to love somebody, to forgive somebody, to encourage somebody. That's the Lord. Come on, amen? amen. So that's just an excuse we use. Me too. Come on, amen? Let's just get honest. And then, you know, the, world's not good. the, world, the world doesn't want you to do all that. But, you know, I'm encouraged today because we're living in such a scary time. People are wanting to hear some good news. Uh, Ronnie Floyd, pastor at First Baptist Springdale, Arkansas, been there a long time, had a great ministry in Northwest Arkansas, literally around the world. He just wrote a book recently, and he says that the statistics uh, tell us now that 70% of our population in America would go to church on any given Sunday if somebody would just ask them to go. <laughs> Did anybody hear what I just said? 70% of the population of our country would go to church on any given Sunday if somebody just didn't buy. Billy Graham says one out of every four people that walked forward in his, in his crusades came in somebody else's car. Does anybody get a hold of all this? So we, we've got a responsibility, not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, you've got a responsibility to talk to your friends and family about the Lord. Amen? I'll give you an illustration. I witnessed to a guy named Ronnie in my high school. He cussed me. He called me crazy. He did everything in the world. He just hated what I was saying. Well, I graduated from high school, went off to college, graduated from college, did some uh, graduate uh, work, and, and uh, I went to evangelism. William and I were traveling. The first couple of years we were on the road. I pulled up at this church, parked my, uh, my van, started to get out, and the front doors of the church flew open, and there Ronnie was. He threw his hands up in there, and he said, Bill, you were right all those years. Eighteen years later. You see, 
I'm going to really help you right here. It's not your responsibility to convict anybody. You can't do that. That's the Holy Spirit for you. It's not your responsibility to save anybody. You can't save anybody. But it's your responsibility to tell somebody. Boy, got quiet on that one, didn't <laughs> Tell somebody. Uh, I don't know if I told this in the service or to the men or I didn't tell it at all. But I'm going to tell it again because it's good. And if you heard it, just say amen anyway, all right? And if you hadn't heard it, it'll bless you. I was in a crusade in a football stadium in Louisiana. And uh, one night this uh, older gentleman came up to me and he said, I want to tell you a story you can use. I said, okay. He said, uh, my wife and I got married. He said, I wasn't a believer. He said, on Sunday morning I got up. I went hunting and fishing. Uh, I, I watched football. I drank my beer. I, I, I went and hung out with my buddies. Went to the deer camp, whatever. He said, I wasn't a church man, didn't know God, didn't have anything to do with the Lord. And, uh, but my wife was a believer. And so he said, every Sunday morning, don't you listen to this, every Sunday morning for 17 years. Everybody hear me? 17 years, every Sunday morning. He said, here was my wife's routine. She would get up, read her Bible, pray. She'd get the ironing board and iron out. She'd iron my clothes. She'd lay them on the foot of the bed and she'd say very sweetly, Honey, would you go to church with me today? And he said, I'd cuss her, tell her to leave me alone. The next Sunday she'd get up, pray, read her Bible, iron my clothes, put them on the foot of the bed and very kindly say, Honey, would you go to church? And she did that for 17 years in a row, every Sunday. And in that 17th year, I got saved. That's a powerful testimony. I went to Mid-America Seminary in Memphis. Dr. Uh, Gray Allison was my personal evangelism professor, one of the greatest personal soul winners I've ever met. Dr. Allison told us a story about two men from Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis that went to visitation on Monday night uh, for their church. 69 Monday nights in a row, they went to the same guy's house, got rejected. 69 Monday nights in a row, they got cussed at and a door slammed in their face. Those two men got to the church on uh, the 70th Monday night and said, we need to go somewhere else. We've been there 69 times. And so uh, they got another prospect card. They prayed over it. They were on their way to make the visit, and the Holy Spirit said, you're going to go back and see that man. On the 70th night, you already guessed it, he got saved. Somebody asked me one time, how long should I witness to somebody until they quit breathing? <coughs> Amen? Until they quit breathing. Uh, I was talking to a registered nurse here a while back. She said she was working the 11 to 7 shift. But I guess that was one of the, I guess they work 12-hour shifts now. But uh, she said there was a man on the end of the hall, said he hollered all night, he cussed, he Chewed out every nurse that went in there. So that went on night after night. She said, about 2 o'clock one morning, I went in there, pulled a chair up beside his bed, and said, sir, I want to ask you a question. He said, what is it? She said, what are you scared of? What are you afraid of? And he started crying. He said, I'm scared to die. And she led him to Jesus. She said, after that, he was the sweetest, kindest man on that floor. And he died not long after that, just a few days after that. 
She said, but from that time to the time he died, everybody that walked by his door said, hey, come in here. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. See, that's the power of the gospel. And the people in this city, in this county, they're blinded by the devil, by their own flesh, by the world, and we're scared of them because of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we've got to pray, God, forgive us. Give us holy boldness. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Give us the mind of Christ. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Let us take this message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. And I'll tell you, it's amazing how many people will respond that you never thought would respond. Maybe not next month, maybe not next year, maybe five years, maybe after you're in heaven. Come on, amen? But that, listen, that word will not return void. It will go out and accomplish the purpose God sent it for. And we've got to go by faith, believing that God's word is true. Amen? Well, anybody get anything out of this? So let's put it in practice today. Let's make a phone call. Let's make a visit. Let's invite somebody to come tonight at 7 o'clock. Invite them to come sit by you, be your friend. I'll tell you this one final story. I was preaching a revival up in Tennessee. There's probably six, 700 people there that morning. It was a fan-shaped auditorium. We had a welcome time. Uh, I was sitting on the front row. Uh, and over to my left, I saw about five or six teenagers come in, uh, kind of late. They uh, all had black clothes on, black pants, black shirts. They had black fingernail polish. I mean, they just totally dressed in black. They were involved in some kind of gothic move or something. So during the welcome time, I went over there and I said, hey, my, my name's Bill Britt. I'm, I'm the guy that's going to be speaking this morning. And, I just want to tell you, I'm so excited that you're here. And you know what they said? Really? I said, really? I said, matter of fact, I'm so excited you're here. Why don't you come sit on the front row with me and be my friend? They said, dude, we couldn't do that. <laughs> We're not church people. I said, okay. I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we go down here to the coffee shop Tuesday afternoon about 2 or 3 and just hang out and talk? You know what they said? Man, we love that. We never had a preacher want to talk to us before. See, that's the people that really need Jesus. Amen? And everybody needs Jesus. But go on and meditate on this. The devil is keeping people blind to the reality that God loves them and gave his son to die on a cross for them. Amen? And he rose again for them. Amen? For them. And uh, listen, God hates sin, and we don't need to be light on sin, but I want to tell you something. We need to love people no matter what they've done because we've all messed up. And we're all messed up except for the grace of God. Amen? And his blood and his forgiveness. So uh, I want to really challenge you to share the gospel with somebody. Uh, let, me, let me tell you one more story. Because this is kind of fresh on my mind. We talked about this the other day. Uh, one of my pet peeves is stingy church members when it comes to tipping. <laughs> let me tell you what. Let me tell you what wait staff people have told me. Because I've ministered to a bunch of them. They said, "Bill, when the heads go down in prayer, the tips go down." Do you know wait staff hates to work on Sunday because church people are the meanest, rudest, and most uh, non-tippers. You know, one of the things that really just ticks me off is, you know, walk by a table 
they've had a $50 bill, and there's a $20, uh, well, it, it looks like a $20 bill, but it's a track. Don't do that. Matter of fact, if you're a member here at First Baptist, and you go have a meal, and you leave a 50-cent tip, tell them you go to another church. Don't tell them you go there. Give them a black guy. I had a group of men, uh, we were at a Cracker Barrel one Sunday night at the church. We had a great service. We are all fellowship, about six or eight hours around that table. About a 19-year-old boy was waiting on us. I began to witness to him, share the gospel, found out his dad had died. His mom had shacked up with this guy that she didn't even really know. And the man told her that if she wanted to stay in the house with him, she was going to have to kick her boy out of the house. So she chose a man she really didn't know and kicked her own son out of the house. His dad had just died. He was all alone. He was heartbroken. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, I'm living in my pickup. So I'm trying to save enough money to get a, a deposit down for an apartment here in town. I said, how much you like? He said, 240 bucks. He went back in the kitchen. I said, all right, all right guys. We fixed the ante up. We gave that boy a $240 tip. You think he's ready to hear about Jesus? We met a girl named Larissa. She'd never been married, had a little baby. We went to this restaurant a lot when we were living in Tennessee. Got to know Larissa, loved on her, hugged her every time we went in there, told her we loved her, we were praying for her, invited her to church. One Sunday morning, uh, I was up welcoming the guest, and Larissa, I looked out, she's on the third row in, in the middle section, holding that little baby. When I, I said, all right, let's go out and welcome everybody. Larissa walks up on the platform, crying with that little baby, and she said, I need Jesus, and I need Jesus right now. I said, no, honey, we're a Baptist church. We've got a bullet. You've got to wait till the end of the service. <laughs> I hope you don't believe that. And I got to lead Larissa to the Lord in front of the whole church that morning. And uh, God, God's blessed her life. So let's go tell somebody about Jesus because, man, the devil hates them. God loves them. Amen. And the devil doesn't want them to get saved. God wants them to get saved. And let's pray for the service tonight. We're going to meet at 7 and uh, bring somebody with you. Sit up front. Amen. Man, yesterday morning, some folks were sitting so far back. By the time they heard what I said, it was a rumor. And, and so uh, everybody can sit up front. And uh, let's have a good time tonight. I know uh, Mike's singing, blessing your heart. And uh, I got a good voice. I just tear it up getting it out, all right? So uh, we'll let him do the singing. Let's pray, and then Brother Jim, you can come and give us our instructions. Father.